0: That's good. what you just saying was you weren't saying God do something you were saying God this is who you are because if it's just something God can do he could choose not to do it but if it's the essence of who he is when he shows up when he has been invited into your life he cannot help but become the miracle maker you need the way maker you need the healing you need the provision you need because it's not just something he chooses to do it's the very essence of who he is and God says, "I." we see, we say it all the time, God is good. God is love. But we really don't know. See, we picture it as God chooses to be good. God chooses to be loving. God chooses, no, God is love. God is good. God is the way maker. The promise keeper. I want you to stay standing because I want to read something into this primed atmosphere in the spirit. Genesis chapter 14 verse 14 it says now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive talking about Lot and I don't have time to go into all of it but Lot was a mistake that he should not have brought with him and Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah at this time with all of Abraham's stuff and his stuff And so he says, when he had heard that he was taken captive, he gathered 318. Everybody say 318. He gathered 318 trained servants who were born in his house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night. So now he divided the 318. And he goes in by night. And he he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobo, which is north of Damascus. Now it doesn't tell us anything. All it just says, it gets the victory statement, victory scripture. And it says, so he brought back all the goods. He took back all that the enemy took from him. He got back all that the enemy took from him. He got back all that the enemy took from him. He got back all. I got to take a praise break. Because when I read this scripture... Tommy, when I read this scripture, I hear how Abraham messed it up, how he, the, the cousin or brother was in Sodom, people, come on, in Sodom and Gomorrah, he's over in Sodom and Gomorrah, and then on top of that. All of this stuff that's gone wrong, he still pursues with 318 men, and God gives him the victory that he gets everything back. I don't know about you, but I do know about me, that God has turned my mess into miracles, my mess into my miracle, because it was my fault, and I was lost in sin and shame, and I did not deserve the victory, I did not deserve the blessing, but God gave me the blessing anyway, and I just got to thank God right for a moment and just do a little dance, because because I, I just got to understand. I got blessed when I didn't deserve it. Abraham should not have won, but he got back everything and also bought he got back his brother Lot and his goods and as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, the valley of the kings, after his return from the defeat of Kedorahmore, which this Kedorahmore, this guy, his name literally translates, it means that the servant of the goddess of eternity. So he, he says, I defeated all those kings plus the one who thought that ruled over your eternity. And then he says this, I beat them all. And then Melchizedek, king of Salem, the king of peace, The the king of peace. See, Salem means peace, but it would soon become the same area we know as Jerusalem, which doesn't mean city, which someone translated that, but it means foundation. The foundation of peace. And so he brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest, so not only king, but he's king and priest of God most high. And he blessed Abraham and said, blessed be Abraham, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and, be blessed God mo- and, be- and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rule and reign in this place and lead us and guide us and direct us. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we are called and created to worship you magnify you and as we worship and praise you you're downloading fresh manna from heaven and blessing into our life and i thank you for it today i thank you for this opportunity to be together i pray that you would anoint me Huh? i pray that you would anoint me to preach your word in the way that you would want it preached in the manner and the tone for which you want it preached. And I thank you, God, that if a lie has held people captive, truth is about to set them free today. And I thank you for the assignment which you have me, and I pray you'd anoint me to complete that assignment today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. You thankful to be in the house? Before you're seated, touch two people and say, let's make some room. So I started a series, a little mini-series, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about uh, the new room. So I want you to write notes, of course, or a note-taking church. This is not a spectator sport. Um, if you're not a good note-taker, welcome to the crowd, okay, because I'm not a good note-taker. And, and even though I'm not a good note-taker, that doesn't excuse me from taking what God is saying to me seriously. So I, you, may, you may only get one thing. I'm going to give you two things to write down so you can feel like a champ. Write down Genesis chapter 14, and then write down Malachi chapter 3. And so those are two great notes that you can write down because you can revisit those chapters later. The other thing I want you to write down is new room. That's the title of this message because this is the conclusion of our series that we've been on. We talked about how a gift makes room for somebody and how that gift puts you before great people And we got deeper into that. And then we talked about last week, we talked about how this new room that God is calling us to, he's going to pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. And in this new space, in this new dimension, we're called to tithe. And we talked about a unilateral covenant and a bilateral covenant. That was last week. If you missed last week, that was the introduction really for this week. So you need to tune into that after this service sometime this week and listen in because I've heard it over and over and over again. Uh, it's not. This is not a brag on land. This is a, this is a brag on the Holy Spirit. But this there's some revelation that's coming from the teaching uh, that people have never heard before. I, I just had one of uh, our guys tell me I've been serving the Lord for 18 years and never been around preaching and teaching of all kinds, never heard it taught like that, never knew why to do this or what the results are and and what does it mean in my life, how does that look for me, and so I want you to to get this in your spirit, Um, so that was new room last week, and then this week, I want to kind of get in some new territory, and I want to talk to you about, if you want to number them, five blessings, one, two, three, four, five, for one action, you're going to get five blessings in your life, and everybody out there who teaches that God is a God who doesn't want you to be blessed and blessings is a curse word and he doesn't want you to have stuff. The very thing, the gold, they had an enormous amount of gold when they left Egypt and they went into the wilderness. God is the one who blessed them with all they were in slavery. You telling me that a slave doesn't? A slave is the one who got all that gold? No. They got all that gold because God blessed them and God wanted them to have it. They're the ones who turned the gold into something evil. Money is not evil, nor is it good. It's nebulous. And, and, and so within that, it depends on whose hands it is in. So if, if I put it in your hands, is money good or evil? If I put it in your hands, is it redeemed or cursed? If I put it in your hands, what is it to you? Is it selfish or is it generous? Well, what is it, when you put it in your hands? What does it become? Because tithing, not only 10%, not only representation, I'm not going to go into all last week, but it also is a discipline of consistency. I want you to write that down. You are not a tither if you give one time. You're not a tither if I preach a whole message on tithing and get you fired up, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to give today. And you give, and you're so excited. That's wonderful. You gave but you're not a tither. A tither is a discipline of consistency. It's just like parenting. Correcting your kids one time doesn't make you a good parent. Correcting your kids constantly and consistently in the correct manner makes you a good parent. Just like a good coach, a good teacher, a good pastor, a good leader. When you don't have discipline, you're not a good leader. When you you lack the ability to give discipline and direction, you are not a healthy leader. You need to be able to do that in truth and in love. And so God teaches us in truth and in love as, our, as the children of God to follow him. And so as he teaches us this, he shows us this picture before the law of Moses. So this wasn't a law that was done with when Jesus came. This was a law through Melchizedek. This was a spiritual first fruits law through Melchizedek, a, a theophonic representation of God in the earth because God represented himself in the burning bush, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I in the Bible? So he represents himself through Melchizedek. Sometimes when the Old Testament would capitalize the angel of the Lord, that would be be God as a part of a manifestation of God because God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God has both masculine and feminine characteristics because that's how you were created because all good things come from God. That's why it's very dangerous to minimize women or minimize men because the moment you try to demasculinize somebody, you, de- you devalue the character and nature of God. The moment you try to bring women down and say women are less than is the very moment you bring God down and you say, God, that part of you I don't like so much. And so you devalue. Is that all right? This is extra teaching. So we have to understand the whole picture before we get further into it. And when Abram gets in here, Abram gets into a a fight he shouldn't have been in. There was a battle going on with Sodom and Gomorrah with the whole other, with groups of other kingdoms. And they all came in kingdoms you know of. Babylon, Persian, uh, Assyrian, Hittite. Those are huge kingdoms. And they were all getting at war. Well, the Sodom uh, Sodom's lost. And so when they lost and they were retreating, they got their, all their stuff stolen. So Lot was a part of that. All the goods were a part of that. And then Abraham says, hey, look, you. it was fine while you were picking on them. But the moment you touch my family, you're in trouble. And he said, 308. How many people we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 18, grab your pitchforks. We're going to work. And we go, he goes after with 318 men against five kings. Y'all talk about courage. We all like to talk about Gideon and Joshua and these other people. But look at Abram. Abram's courage with 308 I want you to write that number down 318 some of you think that you need more and God is saying all you need is what I've given you you have all you need because even when it looks like a little it's just enough because then you need me to finish it and as long as you need God to complete whatever he's called you to you're in the right balance of relationship with him and Abram needed God to show up because it was his fault Lot was there it's his fault Lot was in a mess and he went out now that doesn't dismiss abram from doing the right thing because christians we love to say well you made your you made your bed now you got to sleep in it <laughs> oh you're the one who did it learn from your mistakes and we love to cast judgment about what they did and how they do it and how they oh well you know hey you got to learn you got i mean they got to learn sometime i can't keep bailing them out Isn't that what we teach? Am I wrecking somebody's theology here for a second? Because we think that just because someone else went out and did something wrong that you haven't done doesn't dismiss the fact that you still need to do something as well. And God has called you to do the right thing. Two wrong things don't make a right. you got to go out there. He made a mistake. You made a mistake. Time to start making good decisions. And that's just because I want you to understand. Sometimes we get in this spiral of like, well, while I'm here, (laughs) I've gone this far. Come on y'all. You sinners out. You got acting like a bunch of saints out there. What is he talking about? I have never been in a situation where I thought that way. Oh, sin? Me? Yes, you. Me too. And and we end up we sin and we just like, "Oh, well, it's all good." I mean, "Hey, you know what? Let's just have fun while we're having fun and then we'll ask for forgiveness later." Because that's how the mentality works. But Abraham says, no, let's do the right thing. So Abraham goes to rescue them. And he goes with 318 men against five kings in the valley of kings. And King Melchizedek, the king of peace, sitting up in Jerusalem, just a little north of the valley, he's looking up and Melchizedek's watching him battle. I want you to hear this. The king of peace is watching. If the king of peace knows you don't need help, it's because he knows you're going to win. And so while he watches him win, he steps down and comes down to Melchizedek. And he says, man, I'm going to bless you. And he begins to not only give him the victory, but now give him the blessing. And Abraham is so blown by this that he says, I'm going to give you a tithe of everything that I've won back because he knows a very true principle for you and I. He should not have won he should not have won by the longest shot. He shouldn't have won. He didn't deserve to win. He wasn't skilled enough to win. He wasn't gifted enough to win. He wasn't a commander or general. He, was, he didn't have it all together. He shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have had in the fight, and he barely made it by the grace of God, and he got the victory, and then he got the blessing. I feel like there's somebody in here today who can relate to that to this say, to understand that the only reason you're sitting in that seat is because of the grace of God, that you didn't deserve to be here today you didn't deserve to be in that seat you didn't deserve to drive that car you didn't deserve to live in that house you don't deserve to have that job have that wife let me just shake some of your worlds for just a second men there could have been somebody more handsome than you to marry your wife and wives there could have been somebody prettier to marry your husband got real quiet except for one she loves to giggle She's my giggler up front. But you uh, there, there, there's a homeless person underneath a bridge that could do your job better than you. And I know that sounds really harsh, but God gave you well, the moment we get into this entitlement phase of, well, I worked hard, well, I did this, well, I earned this. Well I deserve this. We step in an entitlement pos- position that we Abraham knew I should not have won. I should not have the victory. I should not have my marriage. I should not have my kids. I should not be in this place of grace. I don't deserve to be here. And he tithed and put God first because he said, you know what? I don't deserve this. I I didn't earn. I'm here in a place of blessing that I did not deserve or earn. But by the grace of God, I've got the victory. And he puts God first. He puts God first. And now let's go back to Malachi, where we see Abraham tithe at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 14. Now on Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, I want to show you when you tithe, you engage in that bilateral covenant that we were talking about that brings five blessings over your life. And most people who tithe don't know what they have available to them. You've been giving to churches for far too long and didn't know what you have access to. You've gotten in this new space and new dimension, and God is saying, Hey, look, I've got some stuff for you, and you can use it. It, This isn't like grandma's old, nice living room furniture stuff that you can't touch. This is stuff I want you to have access to. There's no plastic on this furniture. Am I talking the right generation? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can touch this stuff. You can touch the fine china. You can touch the decorative pillows. You can do all this. This is for you. And God wants to bless you, but you need to know what's available to you. And so this right here continues the picture because where we see Abram tied to Melchizedek, the, uh, the king of peace, we know that Jesus becomes the prince of peace not becomes, is the prince of peace now that doesn't speak to a dimension of authority as so much as saying that king and, and lesser than, it speaks as the continuation of, so when he says king and prince, he's saying because this is the foundation of peace and what did Jesus say? I came to build on that foundation, I was slain before the foundation of the world but I came to build on what we already began because he was was there in the beginning and he was there when you need oh, I'm a, he was there somebody and he knew. And so this isn't a scripture just for the, for them back then. This is for you right now because he is here just like he was there. Oh, that's good. It ain't going to get much better. If y'all don't know how to clap right there. I don't, I don't know. I mean, we're y'all got to help me preach a little up here. Third service. Y'all had all that time to sleep in says, bring ye all the, and I'm reading the old King James because when you're trying to dissect scripture, it's very healthy to go to some of the older, more translated versions as best as possible. Of course, Old Testament from Hebrew, and then, of course, from uh, New Testament from Greek. But when you get to here, I want you to read this. It says, bring ye all. Everybody say all. All the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat. So see how he ties storehouse in my house? That there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. This is the only place you can test God. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out. And pour you out. The key word isn't even blessing. It's a I'm going to pour you out a blessing, and I always read that differently, a pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I had always heard the scripture quoted and talked about, and I've always heard, they will pour out blessings that you cannot contain, but it's not blessings, it's blessing, and so I said, God, what are you trying to say here, because how can I receive a blessing that's greater than the scope of what I can handle in my moment? One big present, what are you talking about? I don't understand what this is, and he's saying, because I want to create a blessing in you that is so big, it's going to affect your... It's something that will produce other things in your life that will then produce and bless other generations in your life so there is a thing i'm going to do with you that when you work with me it will perpetually create blessings in your life and so what he says is i'm giving you a thing that will give you other things is that all right is that plain enough english i'm going to give you a thing And as long as you work that thing you're going to have other things that come from that thing slap your neighbor and say you better start working that thing you better work that thing Oh no no no! Let me paint a better picture for you, so you can see it in a very clear illustration. I was saying, God, I want to grow and impact our city, and I'm putting you first. And God says, Let me give you a blessing called Bethel Church that you now sit in here today, debt free, totally paid for. And I said, Okay, God, what are we going to do with this blessing? Let's go to two services, three services, four services. Let's grow. Let's expand. Let's create a stream room. Let's do. Let's all of a sudden when I said, God, we'll use that thing to make other things and God says when you use the thing I gave you it will perpetually create other blessings through you because oh hallelujah this whole new room that he's calling you into Barry this new room you got to stop seeing it as a concrete wall and you'll want you to see in fact I want you to redefine it as the new womb because this is how it's pictured this new womb he says come into my room and when you come into agreement with me I want you to sow a seed And when you sow that seed, I'm gonna pour out a blessing in your life because this womb works in harmony with you that when you see, because the womb is healthy, the womb is fertile, the womb is ready. He is ready to do something great, but he's waiting for you to say, God, let's do something together. And then all of a sudden that blessing begins to produce other blessings in your life. And it begins to go from a concrete building to a womb of purpose, to a womb of destiny, to a womb of divine blessing that God says, man, if you'll treat this if you'll stop treating this like an earthly building and start treating this like a heavenly womb of purpose in your life when you sow into it you'll never go without because i will constantly perpetually pour out a blessing in your life come on bridge church so number one the blessing you need to declare when you give your tithe is, Lord, this is not a room. I don't. The, I, the Bible says, "Give us unto the Lord, yes. not as unto a building." Amen. And so, I don't give unto a building. I give unto the Lord. And not only do I give unto the Lord, but haven't we talked about giving a lot? How many of my theologians, Bible scholars out there, you ever heard preachers talk about the seed sowing into good ground? And every time they talk about giving, it's about sowing and reaping. Come on, doesn't this scripture now paint a better picture for you that it's not necessarily just some scattered seed, some random place, but it's a purposeful seed sown into a womb of purpose in your life that I'm not just here to put into a bucket or put into a financial account or put into some stupid manly thing. I'm here to sow. That's why Hebrew says, as man receives tithe on earth, I receive it in heaven because he's saying, I got the seed. And when I've got the seed, I've got a birthing coming for you, a blessing coming for you. And that's huge because now I can treat this place differently. I'm not going to treat this like I'm giving to somebody. I'm going to treat this like I'm sowing into God. And so now we get the first part of the blessing, but now what does he say? He says, now I'm going to get poured out so much that you cannot contain. And even within this part B to this point one is that you're, you're going to have a generational blessing. Because when Abram tithed, the Bible says that Levi tithed too. And Abram, follow me now, it went from Abram to who? Shouted, come on somebody. Tony, I'm gonna throw the mic at somebody. It went from Abraham, it went from Abram to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Levi. Four, everybody say four. Four, four generations. Because you decided that your kids and grandkids would not have to wait to break the curse, but so that they could live blessed because you broke the curse long before they showed up, before they were a twinkle in your eye. You decided, I will break the curse of the enemy, and I will stand in the gap, and generations will be blessed because of me, and I, I will set the standard. My grandmother is 99 years old and going to turn 100 this year. Do you have that picture? Oh, without the words, that looks bad up there. If that can change, my mom would hate if I expanded her face like that. <laughs> uh, don't look at that. Look at that picture right there. Don't tell my mom I did this. And so, uh, this is my mother and my great grandmother. She's 99, she's gonna be 100 today. This is one of the matriarchs, or, uh, matriarchs of our family. And, and, and this is, I'm talking about her, the five kids she had all served Jesus. My grandmother, all her, all her siblings, all served Jesus, if not pastor. My my grandmother then had five. And all of them pastor churches around the U.S. and outside and in Norway. And then now, my mother, with the four of us, all of us serve God and are able to live for Jesus because I don't have to fight the battle that they fought. I get to walk in a blessing of favor and victory. I get to walk in it. Somebody who's a parent in here, put your hands together. If you're a tither in here and understand that God is calling you. Why do we want to... Do this horrible brand of Christianity where we leave our kids with nothing. We leave them to the battle battles we didn't decide to fight. We let them fight things and figure it out on their own. Why can't we have a few answers ready for them when they come? That we can say, hey, I'll work some things out. Now, you can figure it out on your own, but instead of learning heuristically over and over and over again, you can learn vicariously, and I want you to learn through me instead of the hard knocks that could come to you. And so here we go. Let's break some curses today. Because I believe God is going to set somebody free of the generational curses that were put on you and you didn't even know you had them. A curse of poverty, a curse of addiction. Because he says the blessing right after that is I will rebuke the devourer. Number two, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. Because then when God starts to bless your life, I hear this all the time. Pastor Landon, what is going on with... I came to church. i would never been to church in my life. Gave my life to Jesus. Got baptized and all hell broke loose and it's like nothing could go right i i tithed and nothing happened and it's because of this, it's because God starts producing in your life and that very car that he blessed you with all of a sudden has these issues and the indicator lights are coming off and then all of a sudden that house that he gave you gets flooded by some craziness all this because some kid leaves a bathtub on, right, or something and then all of a sudden those kids that were such a blessing and angels in your life are acting like Tasmanian devils and you're like, Lord what are you doing? You gave me these kids. Why? What am what, what I supposed to do with teenagers? Isn't that the question of all parents? What do I do with them? God, the blessing you gave me, God, the position you gave me that was such a blessing. I hate my coworkers. Why does it feel like I'm going to hell every day? And I got to go through this because the devourer has come in with circumstances and with the words of other people. And he's tried to pick at everything good happening in your life. And he's tried to destroy it. And God says, this is the number one word. I will rebuke the devourer. Because some of us have gotten a discussion with the enemy far too long and a discussion with haters and naysayers and gossipers and God says, it is beneath you. I need you to keep focused on what's ahead of you because the only way they can backbite you is if they are behind you. And if they're behind you, you have to turn away from your purpose to address the problem when the problem is beneath you. Can I just give somebody permission to tell somebody to shut up and keep moving forward? Because the moment God blesses you, Oh, he, he gives he blesses you and, and 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 the enemy just comes in and and just tries to just just pick at it the devourer, eat at your fruit. He says the fruit of your ground. So that means this little serpent guy's coming around and he's picking at everything in that marriage that once was great. All of a sudden, is it that great anymore? She doesn't do this for you anymore. He doesn't do that anymore. Why don't they love you? Why don't they take you on dates like they use? And the devourer comes and not just with finances, but every fruit and area of your life he tries to pick at. Can I get an amen from somebody who knows what I'm talking about? Because I feel like this This is where a lot of tithers, this number one is where a lot of tithers, like, I give God. I serve, I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible. Why is the enemy stealing my blessing? And just like the Shunammite woman, when her child died, she didn't go weeping over the child. She ran to the man of God and said, the child you gave me is sick and dying and you better bring your butt back here and bless my child and raise my child from the dead because you blessed me with it. You gave me this car. You gave me this house. You gave me these friends. You put me in Flagstaff. You put me in church. God, raise it back up. Rebuke the devourer. Come on, church. Because this is part of your blessing. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I hate seeing believers struggle over and over. I got to keep going. So then he says, neither shall your vine cast her fruit. Hear that. Remember we've been talking about womb. Doesn't it make sense when he kind of pictures this? Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, say the Lord of hosts. What that means is, write this down, no more almost. (laughs) Oh, I almost got that promotion. So he's not now, he's not talking about the blessings you already have, but the blessing he has prepared for you. And he's trying to do something cool for you, something great for you, just to show you he loves you. And, and now the frost tries to come and kill what's on the vine, what's coming through the vine. And, and, and how many people in the last decade almost got free of addiction? How many people in the last decade almost got healed in their marriage? How many people in the last decade almost gave their life to Jesus? How many people in the last 10 years almost started living for God wholeheartedly? I'm done with the almost life, a brand of Christianity. I'm ready to see here and now God because when you say I'm going to be blessed when you say I'm going to prosper when you have a blessing there's not going to be a miscarriage in this womb because you will carry this blessing full term I'm here to tell somebody today who's got who's pregnant with purpose you're pregnant with destiny you're pregnant I'm talking to somebody who's got dreams and desires in here because God is saying these desires and dreams aren't going to die on the vine prematurely I am going to carry them full term for you and where the enemy wants to say oh you got close that's good. Just settle. God say no, don't settle. I don't know the word. I don't know how to settle. I don't even know what that is in my vocabulary. Let me help you carry this dream full term. No more dreams dying on the vine. No more hopes dying on the vine. No more life and pregnancy dying on the vine. There is new life. There is new purpose. There is new destiny. It says, I'm going to guard it. When you put me first and then the last one the last two actually go hand in hand I want you to write these two things down reputation and reality reputation and reality have you ever had anybody talk about you come on just go ahead and give me a little giggle right yeah how, how, how many just was it all wonderful no, right? Anybody real in this place? I, 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 it was garbage. There was a lot of times people would try to curse me, but you can't curse what God has blessed. So when people would try to come up and speak again, anybody, by the way, anybody who tried to outwardly come against me, God outwardly corrected them because they didn't run into me; they ran into a brick wall called God, and He said, "You're not allowed to touch what I blessed." And so just so you know, when somebody tries to curse you, just know God's going to deal with them. Let him rebuke them. Let him correct them. God's going to deal with them. And everybody who blessed me, guess what? oh man, they got blessed too. Touch your neighbor and say, you're about to get blessed. Say, get ready. You're about to get blessed. You're about to get blessed because everybody connected to you is going to be blessed because of you. And so then that's why all the nations are going to have to say, oh, the rumor, the reputation, the word on the street about bridge church, about your family, about your purpose, about your job, about who you are as a man and a woman. The word on the street is God has blessed y'all. Y'all must be a rich church. Y'all must be a blessed church. must be a huge church. I don't know what it is, but the reputation on the street is no longer going to be against you, but for you. And no matter how they feel about you, it's what God has already spoken to you. And so God is speaking this blessing over you that even other people who don't like you are going to have to call you blessed. No, 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 no. They're going to have to speak it from their mouth that they are blessed. And they tried to curse you. They tried to hope and wish you'd die. They thought you would just totally be destroyed and devastated. But they had to watch you prosper. They had to watch you succeed. They had to watch you get blessed. And then not only is it going to be part of your reputation, but part of your reality. So now it's not just a rumor about what people say, but it's what they see. And so now I'm not just hearing something, but I'm going to see that I am a delightful land. And God is saying, look, I'm I'm going to... restore your reputation and I am going to take care of your reality so that it meets that reputation oh somebody who's had a bad reputation every once in a while go ahead I'll just hold on hold on I'll speak for myself they used to talk about me that I was a drunk here in town pastor that I was too young to preach and teach and that I was crazy well no that's probably true but the other two these are, I'm I'm talking about other pastors who said this. I'm talking about other leaders. I'm not talking about worldly people. I'm talking about Christians who said this about me, who would talk about how I'm, I I don't preach the gospel. I don't preach doctrine. All the rumors out there, and they weren't always great. Oh, well, the reason God's not giving Landon and Emily a baby is because they're not living right. That was another one. I'm talking about devastating, horrible rumors. And guess what? Woo! <laughs> Sucker, you gotta watch as God blesses me. You gotta start having, you're gonna have to say out of your mouth that you tried to curse me, that you now gotta bless me. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm gonna take a victory lap today. I'm gonna get my own CD after this. Because you know what? I'm telling you, this is truth. That God is going to dispel every single person who said you're hateful, who said you're judgmental, who said you're this or you're that, who tried to rebrand you, re-identify you. They're going to have to say you are blessed. And the best part about it all is it's not just something they say. It's going to be what everybody sees. And you will be a delightful land. Let's just give God praise one more time.